Welcome to the Athlete's Compass Podcast, your North Star for mastering endurance training and holistic health. Join us each week as renowned sports scientist and founder of Athletica.ai, Paul Larson, along with athlete, coach, and sports scientist Mariana Rakai, and coach and cyclist Paul Warlowski, guide you through the maze of often confusing training principles. Make sure your compass is ready. Class is now in session. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Athletes Compass, where we navigate training, fitness, and health for everyday athletes. This week, we are again talking about recovery, but this time we're talking about the most important part of recovery, one of my favorite topics, sleep. I know the one thing that inevitably triggers a yellow reaction from HRV for training for me is a poor night's sleep. Paul, talk to us about what does the research say about sleep for recovery? How does sleep impact the recovery for everyday endurance athletes? Yeah, well, it's a good thing we we're starting on this one early and we've got the whole podcast to cover it. But um, because there's a lot, it, you know, in, I think in the in the olden days, we really didn't know much about sleep at all. And it was just a real unknown. It's like and, and we, we all thought we could do without it. And uh, you were, you know, you could wear like this, you know, this badge of honor if you could go without sleep. And, uh, you know, um, I, th I think this culture still exists in a lot of, you know, executive performance uh, type places, you know, maybe New York Stock Exchange or something like that kind of kind of a culture would uh, would exist. Doesn't work so well for athletes uh, as they will they will find out. And. Uh, again, I go to Athletica Ambassador Alistair Brownlee, who said this on the Training Science Podcast, uh, first episode we did, and it was, you know, I think he said sleep was, you know, or, or sorry, recovery was 90% sleep, 9% uh, nutrition, 1% everything else. So it was all about that for, for Alistair. And he attributes his, his multiple gold medals to the fact that he was a, um, a world champion sleeper. So, um, so yeah, so let's, let's go through some of the various different, uh, things that you can, you can benefit. And first of all is, is, um, you know, again, the, I think of the motto of, of Athletica is, is train smarter, not harder. Well, it's, it's actually, it's like the mind, your mind will be a more efficient mind. Like your memory consolidation is, is one of the key things that happens when you when you get a good night's sleep making important and and the right decisions about how you train and how you go about your life strategically on a you know is 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 more important than i think we think so it puts you on the that right path that right road to rome uh hormonal regulation is is another big one right uh in the last episode, we spoke about, or we, I, you know, we we showed the viewer my Wim Hof, uh, you know, cold water immersion method, right? The, one of the key things that that I needed to do uh, for myself was to get my circadian rhythm back in in check, and I know that by doing that Wim Hof method, that's like a reset for me, and my hormonal regulation will fall back into 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 sync because of of the fact that it's going to assist me to to get that 
you know, get a full night's sleep. Everything kind of goes back into that rest and digest, full parasympathetic mode. This is what we're monitoring when we're monitoring our HRV. Um, remember, we spoke in the last podcast about how all of these um, these trackers now are actually measuring your overnight average heart rate variability as opposed to just your morning re- your morning heart rate variability. And that's because we can actually like what's going on while you sleep. The average of that parasympathetic activity while you sleep is so vital, and it's telling us that you know um, your hormone your hormonal regulation uh, is getting synced while you sleep. Tissue growth and repair, we spoke about that when we talked about the, the general adaptation syndrome. We need time for all of that to occur, but certainly sleep enhances the, the tissue growth and, and repair. Um, energy restoration as well, right? Like you're all of the, you know, we need glycogen back into the muscle and uh, sleep is is instrumental in in pushing that, you know, that those sugars and that we that we consume during the day, the carbohydrates, uh, whether whether we're on a keto diet or a, or a high carb diet doesn't matter. But we're either one. We're we're doing things where we're actually building back the energy resources that we need as athletes to um, to perform our exercise. And then I guess last uh, the last two big ones are immune function. We need to be healthy uh, and uh, reducing inflammation. Like th- those are probably probably the key ones. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> there, there's, there's actually even more like there's like the mood we talked about in the last podcast, the mood, right? Like if you get a good night's sleep, you're going to be not less moody for your partner. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and certainly, you know, stress reduction and muscle recovery. So all these things. I, I want to add mental health there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started reading this why we sleep book, uh, based on your recommendation, Prof. Yep, Matthew and Walker. Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep. I have just started it. So, but the first, just the first chapter, first page, uh, it was an aha moment for me because uh, as a mom of three little ones, I was uh, single parenting part time because hubby was across the world. We lived in different countries. We actually moved continents three continents in three years and I honestly don't know how I survived um because my kids were not good sleepers and when I read this book I'm like because I I had postpartum depression I was anxious I was so drained and I didn't realize that the sleep was probably majority of the reason just because it was so broken up and I got it so little of it. Um, So I would definitely Mm. add the importance of sleep for mom athletes because I know it's so difficult to get a good night's sleep with little ones. Mariana, can I ask you, you know, again, based on your extensive experience, three children, what were some of your techniques to be able to get a little bit of sleep here and there? Because I'm sure it wasn't probably as perfect as uh, Sir Matthew Walker was it would recommend in his book there. No. Um, yeah, so I, I had to go really deep into the bin. Um, I was actually suicidal. And um, 
yeah I was sitting we at the time we were living in St. John's in Newfoundland and if you've ever been there it's a gorgeous nature but I wasn't well I wasn't sleeping my husband worked in South Korea at the time and he would come home for like three weeks work in the office so I never got a break and I was so tired that I just couldn't see the the light at the end of the tunnel so but I've always been active so I had to go when he came home I had to get out of the house that was glorious and I went for a hike because I didn't have energy for running and one day I was sitting by the cliff and I just wanted to jump because I didn't have a way to see my life getting any better because they the kids were so small and they somebody needed me all the time <laughs> so I started running I somehow just the thought of my kids asking their dad where's mom when his mom coming home it got mm-hmm. me up and I started running away from the cliffs so the trail would go um away from the cliffs and then back to the cliffs. So every time the trail went towards the cliffs, I would walk very carefully not to jump. And then when the trail turned away from the cliffs, I started running. And eventually I just kept running because you know, the 15 minutes, you start feeling good. And I just kept running at that, like that day, I think I ran total like nine Ks and I got home and I was like, okay, I'm ready to face this reality again. And that really changed my life. Like, that's why I call myself Tired Mom Runs. And I, I say that running saved my life because it really did. <laughs> um, and even today, like this is almost 10 years ago, I feel, you know, suicidal thoughts have certain shame to it. But I feel emotional and a little bit shame to talk about it. But I think it's important that I share this story because that kind of kick-started my priorities to sleep so i i started finding ways where i could you know improve my sleep that was the first thing because i couldn't control like when the kids would wake up so what i did was i realized i'm way too much on this device so i would leave it in the kitchen for overnight charge so usually before i would have it by my bedside uh table and when I was breastfeeding, I would, in the same time, I would scroll, like middle of the night. And then I would struggle to go back to sleep, obviously. But I was so tired that I felt like I needed the light and the brain activity to read something to stay awake while I was breastfeeding. So the first step was to put the, the phone away for overnight. Um, and it was a hard stop at 7 o'clock. And um, then uh, other things were, I think I mentioned the bribing the kid. <laughs> Just stay asleep, don't wake me up. And um, the second was um, in the morning, instead of waking up to kids waking me up, I I had to kind of sacrifice the deep REM sleep in the late morning. And I started to uh, use just the the watch to wake me up 15 minutes before I estimated 
any of the kids would wake up and I would meditate. Get my coffee in and I would meditate. So I was, I felt like I was in a good place to start the day, which was, you know, I was single parenting, so it would take a while. <laughs> um, and then nap time, I, instead of doing something, cleaning the house or actually when, when my first one was born, I was, um, cause I'm, I speak Norwegian, Finnish and English. I was working as a translator and I was writing, uh, articles, uh, about exercise. Um, I couldn't do that very long because my first one didn't sleep. So instead of trying to, you know, maximize the time that they were napping, I actually went to sleep, tried to nap too. So then I would put on the babysitter, Netflix, <laughs> and I would nap. I would nap on the couch while the kids watch Netflix for an hour. And um, eventually that nap turned into a bike session. So when I was alone, home alone with three kids, I would put the Netflix on for an hour and I would bike in the garage. So <laughs> thank you, Netflix. <laughs> we'll take your sponsorship money now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I realized that like sleep is everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, because I mean, and thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you. Being vulnerable with that, Mariana. But that's really your your story describes you know, and I think more people can relate than they'd like to admit, but it describes, you know, how bad it can get in the mind when we are, you know, hormonally dysregulated. And, um, and that's, you know, this is, this is the culmination of repeated days of not getting your, not getting a, any sleep or this is, this is sleep deprivation, classic sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. And that happens in athletes, business execs and tired moms. So, yeah. and, and many other populations out there that people would relate to, I'm sure. And, and tired dads. Sure. Um, our first one was horrible sleeper. So he, he would only sleep like a 60 minute, 90 minute. And I would take the first shift. And then my husband who would, already wake up really early and go to work like 5 a.m. He would take after two o'clock, he would stay awake. So it, it wasn't easy for him either. Um, mm -hmm. But somehow we get it through. Somehow so, we got through this. So yeah, yeah. well done. Mariana, you, you, you described a couple things where you were able to, and by the way, speaking of Netflix, we were watching a Netflix show and the, and the mom in the, in the show did the bribery thing that you described about, oh, you know, and it was like, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> so you're not alone in, in tired moms, you know, doing whatever they need to do to get sleep. Um, so you, you, you worked with your kids, you, you tried to, um, adapt to their habits and get sleep when you can is do you think that there was a um a, a magic number of hours do you think the quality of sleep was more important what do you think mattered more to you i think the quality of sleep um i i noticed right away when i left their phone outside the bedroom mm. that my quality of sleep I swear these things emit some kind of uh, signal to our brains that messes up with our sleep. Um, so the, I think the quality of sleep is uh, super important. 
I don't actually know about the quantity and maybe the prof can talk about the quantity of sleep. It's somewhat individual. I used to live next to next door to a mom who only slept like four hours and functioned well. <laughs> I could not do it. So I find like eight to nine hours for me is good. And uh, the lately I've tried to prioritize sleep longer. Um, so I get at least eight hours because I used to just function with seven thinking that's enough but it's it's not paul is there something to the idea of sleeping in hour and a half chunks um because that's kind of the natural circadian rhythm so if you sleep you know three or six or nine hours that's kind of for seven and a half that's kind of the ideal or is that just common erroneous knowledge no no I think that's, yeah, I think like the book that Mariana is mentioning, I think it describes the sleep cycle and we are, it generally are not these 90 minute cycles that we, that we go through. And, um, you know, I'm, I think, you know, going, going down all the various different phases, one, two, three, four, REM, and, and you'll, you will go through these various different phases in that 90, 90, 90 minute period. And the amount of all those phases that you go through, changes throughout the night and again with an emphasis in in deep in the beginning to the rem memory consolidation in the in the, in the latter ones so um yeah i i but i think um i mean their their context is everything right paul so it's like you know if if uh, you're in mariana's case and you can only get 90 minutes then great i guess then that's that might be potentially ideal for a, a you know a, a period of time of sleep, but ideally we want uh, a combination of quality uh, first and and quantity second. And the yeah um, quality ultimately means, with the exception of using sleeping pills, which don't give quality. That's the problem with them. They just give, they just give you a comatose situation, but you don't actually go through the, the various different phases of restoration. You want to be getting that, um, you know, you want to sleep right through the night. That's, that's unaided. That's, that's quality sleep in the, in a simple, um, a simple outcome. And then, you know, the, the hours really range from seven uh, to the, you know, the healthy adult is probably seven to, a teenager that might be 10 or 11, you know, um, and then uh, athletes is probably closer to the, the 10 as well. If it's, you know, a, a high volume training, training athletes, you know, possibly up to, you know, nine hours with a 30 minute nap in, in the, in the middle of the day is tends, tends to be optimal. So a lot of, a lot of contextual uh, stuff there, but those are, those are good, good targets for, for a lot of us. You know, we've, we've, all as athletes had challenges sleeping before races or big events. We've all had challenges where we come home. I know when I was teaching middle school, I would come home after, after all day, get on the bike, end up having a late dinner and going to sleep right away. But you know, sleep was never, it never came right away for everyday endurance athletes. How, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's not it's not easy. First of all, um, because so many times we are hooked into a, a certain context that feels a little bit out of our control initially, at least, 
And that, you know, that might be work, that might be adding with a commute, um, that might be family obligations. Mariana was speaking before and she's, you know, she's been all over the weekend following her kids around playing baseball, right? And it's like, these are, these are the things that we're, you know, a little bit tied into. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, and in every single context, you have to sort of think, well, what's, what's optimal? Um, is, you know, is it better for me to, you know, you just mentioned you've, you taught middle school and then you jumped on the trainer, uh, that possibly pushed your stressors later into the night and, and affected you, your ability to get to sleep. So, um, I'm not sure how late it was, but, you know, potentially it could have been, an, um, you know, it, maybe that was, maybe that was optimal if you kept it L1, L2. Um, but, uh, and, and it calmed you down. Yeah, that, that is definitely one of the key things you want to do. You want calming influences before you sleep so that you can get into that mode, right? So if it starts to be, you know, five, six, seven at night, depending on when you go to sleep, you, you need to start thinking in your mind about how high intensity the exercise is, because you don't want this big bolus, sorry, dose of catecholamines, uh, cortisol, stress hormones, all these different hormones because that's going to delay when you can get to when you can fall asleep like you said Paul you're still going to be wired so um you know is it is it better to have a you know a bath or maybe maybe the pool's still open and you can instead do a do a light swim uh, again it, it's you know it's context specific and maybe maybe the better solution is to go um, to, you know, have that higher intensity workout, maybe in the morning, if, if, you know, if, mm, as opposed mm. to, as opposed to right there at, you know, six, seven o'clock at night, that's probably not the time you want to be doing hit, um, to ramp yourself up a little bit more. Mariana probably has some, some add-ons here for this as well. Yeah. I, uh, I've noticed that I cannot do late swim session. Uh, typically, like master swim group have evening session, morning session, sometimes even lunch sessions. I've noticed that it's the same problem with with me that I can't fall asleep if I do a late swim session. Hmm. Um, and I know a lot of athletes do. They wake up, for example, four o'clock to go to early swim sessions, or they'll wake up super early to do their bike sessions because they have work or because they there's you know environmental factors like heat in dubai a lot of people they start 4 30 um or five o'clock and my thinking like i've done those sessions because that was the only time that you could go if you didn't want to bike in you know 40 degree heat um so because we wake up so early and we're gonna miss that late morning REM sleep. What? How? How bad is it for our overall stress levels that we're losing on those hours? Well, tell. I mean, how much did you miss? So, how how much did you wind up sleeping? Well, like instead of waking up at four, I would probably wake up at six. So two hours, like that one last, uh, yeah. 90 so what minutes. Did, what, what was your total amount of sleep? Like, did you get six or seven hours or? Uh, probably went to bed at nine. So okay. seven. Yeah. 
Seven's seven's okay. So yeah. you can usually get by. Most most uh, adults can still still get on, get by with with seven. As you know, probably if um, again to the Matt Walker book, we build up all of this this sleep debt. So um, this is one of the things we have to also be careful of napping too much in the middle of the day. That removes sleep debt and it prevents you from getting a good quality sleep. So sometimes you actually have to go even without napping to get that. So, mm-hmm. but, um, to, so that, you know, when you, when you fall asleep, um, you know, you get that seven hours. Uh, I noticed, you know, it was a, I was reflecting on Dan Plews's recent world record uh, for the age groupers going under eight hours in Cal- Ironman, California. And in the article that he writes about, um, he was getting, you know, seven hours, but by the end of his day, he was so tired. Like as soon as his, as soon as his head hit the pillow, like out, right? <laughs> so, um, and then, but he was still, I guess it would, would it have been, yeah, out, out by, uh, out by about nine thirty, up by four thirty, and then he's swimming. Yeah, he was. He would always swim at five. So, but he always got his seven hours kind of thing there. But it was seven hours of quality sleep. So maybe not ideal, but he's also, you know, he's also working a full-time job at the same time as doing that. He, you know, truly is a, the, um, you know, people comment that he's, you know, prof- uh, he should be a professional. Well, yeah, he could be a professional, but he's chosen to do this in alongside his work week. So he's still working 40 hours a week, but that's, that's how he gets in his, his 20 hours of training. And that's one of his, one of his sort of strategies there. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. There's there's lots of ways. Everyone has their own sort of context. But if you can um, gap together seven hours of quality sleep, you're probably going to um, be recovered and have adequate mood during the day. Maybe not perfect, but but not bad. What do you think, Mariana, in your experience? Well, because... I can nap during the day on those days that I wake up super early. I will nap. I will make sure that I nap with like within within the 12 and two o'clock window. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And again, we should, we should specify as well. I think we mentioned it before on one of the previous podcasts, but remember that we do have this slight dip after lunchtime where your core temperature, yeah, it just, it just, um, it dips a little bit and that dip in core temperature is associated with those feelings of fatigue, tiredness, and you can leverage that, that fatigue and have that siesta, the natural, the natural siesta that is in many, you know, cultures, Spanish cultures, for example, where they will sleep in the, in the middle of the day. That's, that's in all of us. And, um, and we can, we can, um, engage in that as well as you do Mariana so yeah and and you they say really that window can be anything depending on what you need for as short as 10 uh to I think as long as 90 a full sleep cycle in someone like you know um some of our professionals that might be training 25 hours plus plus a week they would they might have a full 90 minute um you know segment there I can definitely feel their after lunch dip and then usually I've been experimenting a little bit but I've been uh, napping or if I feel pretty good and it's an easy day of training or not much 
heat, then I might just sit down with the coffee and read. So I put a timer on for half an hour and I do my reading. And that, I find that usually energizes me. But I've also uh, experimented with uh, adding a training session. During the, when I start to feel that slump, I'm jumping on the bike or go for a walk with the dog. And I have to say, getting a dog last year has been so good for my recovery because I'm constantly walking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I didn't realize how good walking really is for your recovery before I got the dog. So everybody go get a dog. Yeah. Well, just walk dog. Walking in general is yeah. so underrated. And, you know, I, I think I've, I might have mentioned this before, but I've prescribed walking to a lot of my athletes and they look at me like I'm funny. But it's, uh, again, this is, you know, you ask uh, athletic ambassador Andy Busher, uh, who, you know, won um, Ironman Lanzarote and uh, the, the win was associated with almost daily walks everywhere from 30 minutes to, to, an, to an hour. He would supplement these walking, these walks all around his training. And uh, yeah, there's just so many good things that go on when you, when you walk, it's just like humans were meant to walk. And, uh, and, and yeah, there's from, you know, probably immune, immune function, fat metabolism, uh, lowered inflammation, all these various different factors um, happen. Um, just the same as sleep. Lo and behold, another human activity that's ideal is is good for our recovery, right? I, I don't I don't know if there's any science behind it, but like I feel we as a family we take evening walks, of course, with the dog. But even before we we got our rescue dog, uh, we will go for an evening walk after supper, and I swear the kids sleep so much better after. Yep, totally. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a super healthy healthy practice for all of us to do. It gets you out of your house, right? It gets you out of, away from technology. Ultimately, it gets you out in the in the environment. Yeah, it's so good. So, is there any? You know, I asked this question in the last episode about monitoring HRV and monitoring um, recovery, but the, a lot of those apps will help you monitor your sleep. And is there any value in those? I mean, are they helpful to us at all? I think just like we said with uh, with some of the HRV monitoring stuff, Paul, like it's can be important for a phase. Uh, again, in the for the in the quantified self context, let's you know let's learn something. Um, and I think the you know if we look to some of the um, the validity and reliability studies, they're not perfect, you know, compared to like a uh, a high-end sleep tracker, but they're good enough to get you insight into what you want to might, you know, discover about yourself, right? And what, you know, for those of you that haven't had an experience using some of these wearables, you might actually get to see the different phases of sleep that you go through and you can, you know, get estimations on how much deep sleep versus REM sleep that you actually get. And um, yeah, and, and there's many that do this from Garmin to Aura to Whoop, et cetera. So it's, they're not the be all end all, but they're, they can be, can be useful. And, um, and again, it probably relates also to the personality type too. If, do, you, do you feel you would benefit from this? Do you feel like you might need this? Then go for it. And, uh, and it could be, again, a, a good conversation starter with you and your coach. 
Mariana, you talked about this last week or the week before about what you do uh, or what you'd recommend to your athletes about how to set up their room for optimal sleep. So what would you say about that? What would be some key things for that? Uh, first of all, leave the phone, screen, TV away from bedroom. Um, keep it dark. I'm very light sensitive. Like I want it pitch black. <laughs> Even, uh, you know, turning the, the blinds the right way <laughs> has been an issue with my husband. Like I want it like them pointing upwards so that they don't, if there's any light outside, they point down. So we're like, I'm constantly turning them by the way. Um, really nice quality bed sheets, you know, like when you slide in there, it just feels so nice and keeping them clean. Like that's one of the key things that you can do. Like it's an investment, right? Um, and, uh, I think, um, the quality, like the finding a mattress that works for you and this can be also, also different from your husband or wife. <laughs> what they enjoy um but yeah like you you know when you go to a hotel you go on on a travel and you sleep on these horrible beds and then you come home and you're just like oh, yeah oh, this feels so great i'm glad to be home yeah. um yeah so quality bedding uh keep it dark and uh cool i'm totally particular on the coolness side. I like it cold. Same. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, I think it's just to add on your point about the darkness, Mariana, I believe it's um, only one lux, which is a unit of, uh, um, of light can disrupt sleep. So that's like right down wow. to the bottom. Like it's, yeah, you're, you definitely want to work towards having that super, super dark room. Use an eye shade as well if you, if you can't achieve that. So uh, you, you, know, you should be able to get uh, a dark room anywhere if you use an eye shade. Um, the other thing is, is, is the consistency of the sleep schedule is so important. Remember mm. that, that if we always go to bed at the same time, and wake up at the same time. Apparently that is one of the things, again, the book that Mariana was quoting with Matt Walker, that's the key thing too, right? So it needs to be consistent. Um, Well-ventilated room as well, cleanliness of the sheets, comfort of the sheets, the, 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 the overall temperature is individual, but generally cooler um, because you want that lowered core temperature, right? Before the, the, your core temperature of your body actually starts the whole circadian process and starts you going to sleep. That's, that, that's actually what happens there. Um, yeah, the other exercise is key, right? We're all about exercise on this podcast. So yeah, getting, getting that activity is, is, is really key. Managing the stress as we, as we spoke, we've been speaking about everywhere, so, um, you know, like Paul was mentioning where he's wound up from a big day at work. Well, how can we, you know, how can we take a, a warm bath or a cold shower or whatever it might be, right? Like what, what sort of, how can we calm ourselves before? One of the things I do, even um, I, I time my yoga practice, actually, just, you know, just a couple sort of stretching mobility yoga poses um, in, as I'm kind of relaxing and, and uh, getting, getting ready for sleep. And I also will always read just a hardcover book as well. Um, like you, Mariana, I keep my phone 
totally out of out of the room there as well. Um, and then we spoke about alcohol uh, and and food, right? So limit limit alcohol. Try to have you know. I think Matt will tell us that zero is the best one, and, and 10 a.m. is the 10 a.m. alcohol time is probably the uh, the only time that it might be out of your system. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. Those are those are some of the some of the key things. I I also think like um, some people like what is it called white white sound white white noise know, white noise. Yep. Um, having lived in so many different places that we've required AC coming from like the most quiet place in North Finland where like you would not hear a thing. It's so weird how it affects falling asleep. Because I feel like when every time I go to North Finland and it's so quiet, I sleep so soundly. But falling asleep it, where I hear the AC kind of hum, it's easier. Mm -hmm. mm. It, especially when you travel. So you can travel from an AC controlled environment to total quietness. It's just like, what? <laughs> what is happening? Um, but I, I find also like doing a few breathing exercises, like box breathing, right? Before, if I have the monkey brain, like a lot of squirrels jumping in my head, <laughs> uh, I find like the box breathing, like four or five breaths in, holding it for five, count of five, and then breathing out a little bit longer, and then holding it, the breath at the bottom. That just helps, you know, quiet the mind and falling asleep better. Yeah, same, same. Box breathing is definitely where it's at. Yeah, a lot of um, CO2 control and in, in all of that as well, which is which is mm -hmm. really cool. I'm sleepy now. <laughs> so here are my three takeaways from our conversation today. Obviously, number one is sleep is the most important recovery tool. There is no way to shortcut it. Um, you sleep seven to 10 hours, you know, that's the ideal. Then you wake up feeling rested and ready to take on the world. Uh, number two, take some steps to ensure good sleep by not using screens, avoiding alcohol, leaving your phone outside the room, consistency of sleep times and wake up times, keeping uh, your room clean and dark and getting some good bedding and sheets. And number three, one of the things that is always a challenge for me that I always work on is having some calming influences before you sleep, reading or meditation, um, some maybe some gentle yoga, um, avoiding um, hit workouts at night right before you go to sleep so that you can feel a sense of calm. Um, I like to read before I go to sleep and um, try to be as calmed and rested before you fall asleep to help you fall asleep and get good sleep. So that's all for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Join us next week when we talk about other tools for recovery. For Mariana Rakai, Dr. Paul Larson, I'm Paul Warlowski, and this has been the Athlete's Compass Podcast. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Athlete's Compass podcast, your guiding light through the complex world of training for your endurance sport. For a deeper dive into the science, listen to our companion podcast, the Training Science Podcast, and check out the AI adaptive training platform, athletica.ai. Thanks. <laughs>